There's this story that has recently been circulating on social media. It's a question that was put out to interview candidates and uh, this is how it goes. You are driving through a stormy night in your sports car which only has room for one passenger. You come across a bus stop and there are three people waiting for a bus which will arrive in an hour. There is your close friend who has been with you through thick and thin. There's an ill old woman who needs to get to the hospital immediately. And the third person is the girl of your dreams that you've been trying to get to go out with you. What would you do? Now, uh, I'll pause here for a minute for those who haven't read the story yet to come up with an answer. And now I'll uh, tell you <laughs> that according to the story circulating on the internet, the person who gets the job is the one who answered this. I will give my car to my best friend and let him take the old lady to the hospital while I wait at the bus stop with the girl of my dreams. Now, if you already knew the story, you would probably have become immune to the remarkability of this concept. However, for first-time listeners, it is generally a very remarkable story. And what makes this story so uh, remarkable? It's because it represents a creative solution to a situation where the problem arose because of our preconditioned thinking. Now, for most of us, our intuitive uh, thought process leads us to formulate the problem in this question in these words. Which one of these three would you choose to sit with you? However, the winning candidate, according to the story, cleverly and aptly redressed this problem and reformed the question into something like this. How will you make the best use of the car's two-seater capacity and not miss out on the opportunity afforded to you? So this is an example of creative thinking. It is thinking beyond the confines of presuppositions, approaching the problem with a new angle, or even rearranging the materials in a way that makes the best use of time and space and opportunity, or even limitations. And as we uh, learn further, we begin to realize that limitations are actually conducive to creative thinking. So, we come across uh, examples of creative thinking at countless moments in our everyday life without even realizing their impact. Only when we are presented with something that shocks us into awe, either by simplifying a complex problem in a way that we hadn't thought of before, or finding an unlikely solution, or exhibiting excellence and talent to an extent that is beyond our imagination, or inundating our senses and sensibilities. Unless that happens, we fail to recognize the novelty or creativity in what is presented before us. Now, I have spent the last decade studying creativity from multiple angles and perspectives. Uh, I trained as a physician, and hence my method of study is scientific and solution-oriented. Obviously, I have in-depth knowledge of neuroanatomy, 
and several correlating patient examples, particularly in stroke and brain injury, which are my areas of interest. And um, I have, uh, through them, studied how creativity aids in their rehabilitation and how their condition or pathology uh, affects their creativity, to give a very general idea. This is what prompted me to delve further into art therapy for patients with aphasia and other cognitive disorders. Um, this aspect of my understanding that I derive from a deep uh, background in medicine and uh, neurology, uh, this part of my understanding is observational, evidence-based, analytical from an outsider or an assessor's point of view. However, I have been very fortunate to have had the opportunity in my life to immerse completely in my own artistic abilities as well. So this allowed me to see creativity from an insider's point of view, the artist's perspective whereby flow states and inspiration and practice and repetition and um, uh, unlearning and learning and relearning and muscle memory, etc. All these become relevant. I was able to understand the myth of originality and I was able to fall head over heels into accidental brilliances and I was also many times stuck in a rut. These are common complaints of people who go through creative uh, pursuits. Now, um, this gave me an insight into the process of creativity, which was complementary to the insight I had as a physician or a person looking at things from the outside. So I have been blessed with a bifocal uh, vision uh, into this problem, which is why I thought it would be important to um, catalog my observations and impressions. Uh, it's almost, let me give you an example. So for instance, you've bought a new sports car. It's the same difference that when you buy a new sports car, you read a manual and you actually drive the car. The former gets you all the details about the specs and the, the peculiarities and the novelty of the car, but unless you actually do the driving, you don't really experience the nuances of um, uh, you know, the originality of the car. So this podcast is a way of integrating all these different perceptions I have into a comprehensive um, introduction of creativity. Since I will be using my raw materials, which in this case include the scientific knowledge of the brain, my patient examples, research references, and also real-life creative insights from interviews with m many artists, writers, uh, scientists, um, architects, engineers, etc. All of those who I found uh, valuable inspirations on my personal creative journey, uh, I will be knitting all these references together and you will have a chance of seeing this project take form as a self-illuminating example of creativity, if you may. In this introductory episode, the goal is to lay down the intention of the podcast and chart the pit stops. 
as you can now tell the title of the podcast becomes relevant we will look at the art and science of creativity with a neurophilosophical approach uh, we'll talk about the neurological aspects of creativity which requires an overview of neuroanatomy and the biological basis of the brain's workings uh, we'll also see how it has evolved historically and anthropologically and uh, what are the internal and external factors influencing creativity. The purpose of this podcast is to explore the interfaces and look at uh, possibilities that lie in the outlying spaces between specialities, such as our therapy. So let's talk about definitions first. Despite having relevance in all aspects of our existence, there is no consensus on the definition of creativity. And that doesn't really surprise me because definitions often confine, but more on that musing later. Creativity generally is referred to as a phenomenon whereby something new and somehow valuable is formed. It may be the formation of an intangible thing like an idea or a theory or a humorous element in something. Or it may be something tangible, like an instrument, or a poem, or a novel, or an artwork. The word creativity itself, talking about etymology, finds its origins in the Latin word creo, which means making. Historically, the English word creativity was associated in conjunction with only the divine creation and not until the 18th century Enlightenment period when it started being used in relation to human creativity as well. The popular understanding is that creativity is associated with disciplines like design and engineering, architecture, arts and craft, literary works, sociology and philosophy, etc. But my view is that creativity is a biomarker of being human. It's a product of the human brain. Uh, whatever theory of existence you may adhere to, whether you believe in creationism or the Darwinian evolution or anything else, the development of human beings into groups and cultures and civilizations to present day, each step has been a creative jump. The pattern is clear. Man invents tools to modify his environment. In turn, the tools modify man and the cycle continues. Let's take a look way back to prehistoric man. Let's start there. So creation of uh, hunting tools and having created the hunting tools, it necessitated the discovery of fire, which changed the eating habits of our forefathers, primitive man, so that food could then be cooked and thus groups were formed where the task of food acquisition and nurturing families was divided and so hunter-gatherers were made. Then societies were made and secrets or methods of uh, acquiring, for instance, food or other stuff had to be preserved. So languages, folklore, scripts, art, all these started coming into being. They need to be transmitted and preserved. 
and that is how civilizations grew. And so we see the development of writing forms from uh, inscriptions on the cave walls and Rosetta Stone, for instance, to papyrus and leather and the formation of paper. So tools kept increasing in complexity till the landmark event in the history of mankind when the wheel was created. If you just pause and think, could the wheel man ever have thought about living in a time when even the hunting tools weren't there? It is a pretty remarkable leap of development, isn't it? So every creative step is a step for the collective human conscience. We each stack our ascent on the foundation laid down by those before us, individually and collectively. This also gives me a side note, which we have to talk about in detail at another point in this podcast, about the acceptability of creative ideas. Who decides what is creatively brilliant? Anyway, looking at uh, newer examples in tools, environment, and man interacting with each other, let us see something that is relevant to most of us in this present day and age. Uh, The development of cellular technology, the social media, the navigation. The children born today think in terms of computational development, uh, whereas it was a learned trait for me and many of my generation. So the parameters of creativity have changed drastically right before our eyes. Even in our personal lives, we see how cellular technology has altered the way we interact with our environment and our society, from cooking and exercise to keeping in touch with the relatives and friends, acquiring knowledge, showcasing our lifestyles, developing skills. It's all an introspective learning process in the realm of creativity. Let me throw in a biological example to further um, give thinking material about this, this point. The primal act of creation, procreation, which is part of a human experience, it shows us that being a part of the creative process, that is, giving birth to the child, also creates the parent. Not only does a human being become a parent, but also in raising that child, he turns into the kind of person that is required to bring that child up. And all of us who have children can relate to this transformation and this experience. But a stark example is of this uh, phenomenon is seen in parents of special needs children. The skills that those parents end up acquiring in the path of raising those special children are not something that can be pre-programmed or that even they knew that they possessed. So creativity in relation to procreativity, that is also something that we will keep a tab on. What is the origin and the substrate where this creativity works? It's the human brain and the human mind. And there are subtle differences between these two. The human brain is constantly in a state of achieving equilibrium. 
let me say that again the human brain is constantly in a state of achieving equilibrium however since it is the switchboard where all the sensory input feeds into all the memory and information resides all instructions are generated the state of achieving equilibrium is not a static state but a dynamic one anything that tips this dynamic balance drives the brain into the hyperactive mode to find a solution and get back that balance creativity simply put is the brain's method to deal with what it fears most it fears uncertainty it fears not being in control anything that induces these will trigger creativity creativity is the ability to come up with new ideas solutions or methods through a mental process of connecting existing concepts whether or not these ideas have to be revolutionary is a question that is irrelevant at this stage the key element is that these ideas would have been new for the thinker which differentiates it from intelligence the key components of creativity are originality utility and the process of creating so a product as a footnote it must be noted here that original originality may be and it often is inspired by existing ideas concepts and laws that are already known but it may merely be a new way of looking at these things similarly utility may not be tangible but it can be intangible especially when it comes to the utility aspect of for instance say a piece of art or a music composition or a literary work uh utility is in this case determined by the recipient or observer or merely by the creator however in other examples utility is an important aspect of creativity for instance you can conceive of a fantastic car without wheels but if it doesn't run then its utility becomes doubtful so will that be a creative um you know will creativity have a a, a role to play in that situation or not creativity is also not the same as intelligence and this is an important point to keep into consideration intelligence is the ability to acquire and utilize knowledge understanding and memorizing concepts falls under this category the three key components according to neuroscientists of intelligence are processing speed a working memory and planning and execution whereas intelligence is best enabled with focus and attention with stabilities of ideas and with sequential processing creativity on the other hand is enabled by completely the opposite set of characteristics it's enabled by a diffused attention when you're really not focusing on something and this is what many um, people who are in the creative fields uh, adhere to it also uh, it also is enabled by plasticity or fluidity of memory and associations and instead of sequential processing it relies on 
parallel or abstract processing of ideas and information. This is where some neuroscientists believe that perhaps intelligence and creativity work in antagonism to each other. However, I think that creativity and, and intelligence are not mutually exclusive, nor are they dependent on each other in any linear pattern. In fact, they overlap in their skill sets to enable the person to find a solution or solve a problem. Uh, it is possible that in some tasks, intelligence and creativity work in collaboration. For instance, intelligence can take a mind to a certain level with respect to processing information after which creativity takes over. However, in certain other domains, intelligence may prevent creative thinking by asserting its objectivity and stability of ideas. So what category did Einstein fall into? Was he exceptionally intelligent or exceptionally creative? What category do all these inventors fall into? How far does their intelligence take them? And when do they abandon their intelligence to let creativity take over? Can creative intelligence be taught? Can it be learned or acquired? These questions will guide our journey through the podcast. For now, I will leave you with another <laughs> job interview example that I heard from a speech by Neil deGrasse Tyson. So he says, he, well, he said that there were two candidates appearing for an architect's job. And he asked them the height of the building that they were interviewing in. The first candidate, completely up to speed with his knowledge, knew the exact height of the building and answered correctly. It's 230 meters. The second candidate didn't know the answer, but he said he would find out. And he went outside and measured his own shadow and measured the shadow of the building and put both these values in an equation and came back with an answer of uh, an approximate figure of 220 plus minus 5. Neil deGrasse said that although this was a hypothetical situation, if this ever happened, he would, uh, despite the perfect knowledge of the first candidate, he would prefer giving the job to the second candidate because of his method of answering that question. Now, my question for our listeners is this. Was the second candidate's answer attributable to his intelligence or his creativity? I leave you with this question. My name is Arshia Qasim and you're listening to Networks. Till next time, sayonara. Please send in your responses, questions, comments and suggestions on my website arshiaqasim.com A-R-S-H-I-A-Q-A-S-I-M dot com Thank you.